98K News. It's one o'clock. I'm Alex Price. The headlines. A legislator calls for LegCo to reopen sooner in order to deal with important matters. The Liberal Party leader says Carrie Lamb needs to turn words into action. And there are renewed fears for the safety of migrants in America. Lawmaker Kenneth Lang from the Professionals Guild says LegCo should resume in September as there are urgent items that are beneficial to Hong Kong that need to be discussed. After anti-government protesters broke in and vandalised the LegCo building on Monday, the LegCo president called an early start to the summer recess to allow for repairs. Mr Lang agreed the building wasn't currently safe for use. The IT system, the security system, all the computer systems were down and the lifts were heavily damaged. Safety is the first priority, but I cannot see any reason why we cannot resume meetings perhaps a bit earlier in September because I remember last summer I was you know, quite busy having meetings with various government bureaus on, on some other more urgent bills. So I do think there is an option for the LATCO to commence meetings in September, a few weeks earlier than October. Liberal Party leader Felix Chung says the chief executive, Carrie Lam, should act on her words and start talking with various parties. Since her extradition bill drew millions of protesters onto the streets, Mrs Lam has apologised and promised to change her governing style and listen to people. Mr Chung says now isn't the time to talk about the resignation of officials, but he called for action. She's been saying a lot of things, but haven't started any action yet. I mean, the society really need her to do something, not just saying uh, she, she will improve this, improve that, see this and see that. So far, we haven't seen that. In overseas news, a Department of Homeland Security inspection of U.S. migrant detention facilities on the South Texas border has raised security concerns over the conditions that migrants are being held in. On Monday, members of a congressional group who visited facilities in another part of Texas also said they were disgusted with the conditions. Here's the BBC's Barbara Plett-Usher from Washington. The inspectors visited seven sites. They said they observed dangerous overcrowding. At one facility, adult migrants were packed into a holding cell for a week with standing room only. Senior Border Patrol managers said they worried about security for their agents and for the detainees. One of them called the situation a ticking time bomb. The inspectors also said that many of the children had only limited or no access at all to showers, changes of clothes or hot meals. Last week, lawmakers approved $4.5 billion in emergency funding to deal with the situation. A sports shoe featuring an early version of the Stars and Stripes flag, which is links to slavery and white supremacists, has become the latest focus of the cultural war in the United States. Nike was due to release the shoe to mark the 4th of July holiday. Here's the BBC's Jonathan Josephs. There are 13 stars arranged in a circle to accompany the stripes on this early version of the US flag, known as the Betsy Ross flag. Nike hasn't specifically apologised for using it on these $120 trainers, but has sought to quell growing anger by explaining that it's withdrawn them from sale because of concerns they could unintentionally offend and detract from the nation's patriotic holiday. But the withdrawal itself is why Arizona's Republican governor has pulled $1 million of financial support that was supposed to go towards a new factory in his state. He accused Nike of consciously denigrating America's history. Democrats in the US House of Representatives have filed a lawsuit to try to get access to President Trump's tax returns after the Treasury refused to hand them over to a House committee. 
The lawsuit said the Treasury and the Internal Revenue Service had carried out an extraordinary attack on Congress by failing to comply with its statutory request. President Trump has accused Democrats of intrusion and mounting a political witch hunt over the matter. Following three days of wrangling in Brussels, EU heads of government have reached agreement on their choices for the bloc's most senior jobs. Together, they'll run the European Union for the next five years. Two of the four top jobs, for the first time, will go to women. One of them, the German Defence Minister Ursula von von der Leyen, has been proposed to replace Jean-Claude Juncker as head of the European Commission at the end of October. The President of the European Council, Donald Tusk, welcomed the nominations. First and foremost, we have chosen two women and two men for the four key positions. A perfect gender balance. I am really happy about it. After all, Europe is a woman. I think it was worth waiting for such an outcome. The Belgian Prime Minister Charles Michel, who's been chosen as the incoming head of the council to succeed Mr Tusk, said he's ready to take the EU forward into the future. Europe is facing challenges and in my opinion these challenges are also opportunities and I am convinced that it will be very important to protect and to promote our unity, our diversity and especially also our solidarity. The Russian Defence Ministry says 14 sailors have died in a fire on a Navy submersible vessel. It had been exploring the seabed in Russian territorial waters in the Arctic. The BBC's Sarah Rainsford reports from Moscow. Vladimir Putin has called this accident a great loss for Russia's armed forces. Fourteen men were killed by poisonous fumes as fire broke out on board what the Defence Ministry describes as a deep-sea research submersible. It says they were carrying out scientific work in Russia's northern territorial waters. But it's still not clear what caused the fire, which the crew ultimately brought under control. We don't know how many men survived, and there are still questions over exactly what vessel was involved. Mr Putin said the dead included two heroes of Russia and seven captains of the first rank, as he put it, which seems unusually senior for research work. The Hungarian parliament has approved a law which brings scientific research under government control. A large network of research institutes will be directed by a new body whose members will be appointed by the right-wing prime minister, Viktor Orban. The BBC's Nick Thorpe reports from Budapest. The government justified taking over the network of 15 research institutes on the grounds that if the state pays, it should also influence research priorities. In the past, historians and social scientists have sometimes issued reports critical of the right-wing government. Government spokesman Zoltan Kovac described the Academy of Sciences as an increasingly obsolete, ineffective public body. The government will appoint two boards responsible for outlining the main priorities, but he denied that this amounts to political control. The UN's Cultural, Scientific and Educational Organisation has given Colombia two years to demolish a high-rise tower block under construction in the historic colonial port city of Cartagena. Otherwise, it says it may lose its world heritage status. Here's the BBC's Candice Piet. For the UN and Colombia's Ministry of Culture, the 32-floor tower is an eyesore destroying the visual harmony of an exquisite colonial site. Many people wonder how a building of this size in this location was ever authorised in the first place. 
But for the families financing what was the first of four towers and 700 or so apartments, the project could have provided new homes. Washed by the Caribbean Sea and with beautiful islands just offshore, Cartagena attracts millions of visitors each year. Losing its World Heritage status would be a severe blow. The US Department of Justice has confirmed that next year's national census forms will be printed without a question on citizenship. On Thursday, the Supreme Court rejected arguments by the Trump administration in favour of adding the query to the survey. The administration had been considering a new approach. Hundreds of thousands of people in South America have witnessed a total eclipse of the sun. A swathe of Chile was sent into total darkness. Here's the BBC's Jane Chambers. The sky went dark for a few minutes while the moon passed in front of the sun. Thousands of tourists and locals enjoyed the beautiful sight of a ring of light from the sun glowing behind the moon. People were advised to wear special glasses to stop them damaging their eyes. The northern region of Coquimbo was the best place to watch the eclipse. Hotels and flights have been booked up for weeks and global celebrities are rumoured to be in the area. Chile prides itself on being an astronomer's paradise, home to dozens of telescopes and observatories. The former president of Ford Motors and chairman of Chrysler, Lee Iacocca, has died. He was 94. Born Lido Anthony Iacocca to Italian immigrants, Mr Iacocca grew to become one of the most powerful men in Detroit's automobile industry. He became president of Ford in 1970 and, on being fired in a dispute, joined Chrysler, whose fortunes he's credited with helping to revive. A crown prince from the United Arab Emirates, who was also a fashion designer, has died unexpectedly in London. Khalid bin Sultan al-Khazami, the son of the ruler of Sharjah, founded the eponymous fashion label Khazami. The BBC's John McManus reports. 39-year-old Khalid al-Qasimi had forged a career for himself as a fashion designer whose clothes were shown at London Fashion Week. But on Monday, the son of Sharjah's ruler dies suddenly. The Metropolitan Police, while not directly naming the prince, say they were called to a property in Knightsbridge, central London, where they found a deceased man in his late 30s. A post-mortem has proved inconclusive, and police say they are awaiting the results of further tests. The government of Sharjah, though, says the prince's body will be buried on Wednesday, meaning a further post-mortem is unlikely. Princess Haya bint al-Hussein, one of the six wives of the ruler of Dubai, Sheikh Mohammed al-Maktoum, is believed to be in hiding in London. The BBC's Frank Gartner reports. She's the daughter of a king, the wife of a ruler, and friends with the queen, who shares her love for horses. But none of that has stopped Princess Haya bint al-Hussein from fleeing palace life in Dubai and going into hiding in Europe, allegedly in fear for her life. Sources close to the princess say she had recently discovered the true facts behind last year's mysterious return to Dubai of Sheikha Latifa, her husband's runaway daughter by another marriage. Today, Princess Haya is told friends she is unnerved by an angry poem, apparently posted on Instagram by her estranged husband, the ruler of Dubai, accusing a woman of treachery. Princess Haya fears she may be abducted. Financial news now, and a short time ago, the Hang Seng Index stood at 28,821. 53 points down on the previous close. Turnover was $44 billion. Now to sports, and here's Adam Jung. We start with football's Copa America, where the hosts Brazil have made it into the final by knocking Argentina out. Manchester City's Gabriel Jesus and Liverpool's Roberto Firmino were on target as Brazil won 2-0. 
It means the Argentina captain Lionel Messi remains without a trophy for his national team, despite giving his best performance of the tournament. Brazil will be playing for their 10th South American title when the final kicks off on Sunday at the Maracanã Stadium in Rio de Janeiro. They'll face the winner of tomorrow's match between Peru and Chile. The United States are through to the final of the Women's World Cup. They beat England 2-1 and are one win away from defending their title. Here's the BBC's Alex Capstick. Team USA remain on course for a successful defence of their title after surviving a cliffhanger. Dominant for long periods, they couldn't completely shake off persistent opponents. Backed by the vast majority of a sellout crowd in Lyon, the Americans began strongly, Kristen Press heading them in front. England were hanging on, but against the run of play, Ellen White equalised before Alex Morgan restored the US advantage. And that's how it stayed, although VAR denied England an equaliser for offside and also gave them a lifeline by spotting a foul inside the area. Captain Steph Horton's penalty was poor and was easily saved. So England go out at the semi-final stage at successive World Cups. It's also a familiar feeling for the USA, who march on to Sunday's final. Alex Morgan, who scored the game-winning goal for the US on her 30th birthday, was full of praise for her teammates. Tremendous performance from from the team and from players who stepped up. Um, Lindsey Horan, Kristen Press, Alyssa Nair um, had such huge games. The Americans will play the winner of tonight's second semi-final between Sweden and the Netherlands. India have finally confirmed their place in the semi-finals of the Cricket World Cup after a victory by 28 runs over Bangladesh at Edgbaston. Rohit Sharma and KL Rahul combined for 180 in the highest opening partnership of the tournament so far, as India posted 314 for 9 from their 50 overs. Bangladesh were dismissed for 286. Sharma's 104 was his fourth century of the tournament. That's what I'm trying to do, uh, not to think about what, what I've done in the past, uh, because that's very critical from the team's perspective. That guys who are in form, uh, batting well, uh, need to carry on and bat as long as possible and get the team to a good score. England will play New Zealand today. The winner of that match will join India and the holders Australia in next week's semi-finals. And that's your look at sports. Thanks to Adam Chung there. And now to end the news, a reminder of our top stories. A lawmaker calls for LegCo to reopen sooner in order to deal with important bills. The Liberal Party leader says Carrie Lam needs to turn words into action and there are renewed concerns over the treatment of migrants in the US. That's the news from RTHK. Me 
I'm alive. 